Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. What if I told you this morning that your death date was September the 10th, 2038? What if I told you that your time was limited and you had exactly 15 more years to live? How would your life change if I gave you that information today? If you not only came to this ready awareness that your life is limited, but, but you had the exact day. I think a lot of people have considered that, and maybe some people have even gotten news that their time is limited, and they've been given a specific amount of time. In 2004, country music artist Tim McGraw recorded a song titled, Live Like You Were Dying, and he wrote that song actually as his father was receiving treatment for brain cancer. And the song tells the story of a man's life after receiving a terminal diagnosis and how he responded to that. As we start this morning, I I just want you to listen to just the chorus of this song really briefly. Uh, let's, Let's go ahead and play that, guys. He said I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me when a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays and talking about the options and talking about sweet time. I asked him when it sank in that this might really be the real end. How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what you do? And he said, I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Blue Mansion, and I looked deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I've been denying, and he said, someday I'll It's a powerful song, uh, and it's one that really reminds us to make the most of the precious time that we have. And now it won several awards. It sat on the top of Billboard's country music charts for several weeks because it evokes such powerful emotions as we listen to it. But you have to know this morning, you don't have to wait until you receive a terminal diagnosis to begin living as if your time is limited. I would, I would say you shouldn't wait for difficult circumstances in life to begin walking in obedience to God. I'd like to take the next few moments to tell you a sad tale of time. Time, as we understand it and often misunderstand it, remains God's most mysterious and yet most powerful gift to us. 
our life is fixed. We can't slow it down. Believe me, I've tried. I've got littles at home. We can't slow it down, and we can't buy more of it. Moment by moment, it silently slips away. But in it lies tremendous opportunity, opportunity that will soon come to an end. Now, I think believers especially have the ability, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, to make the most of the time that God has given them. You and I have the ability to avoid wasting the time and the opportunity that God has given us. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 20, primarily in verses 1 through 11. We're going to look at a couple other passages. But as you turn there, I want to point you to a man who was blessed with a unique gift. He was blessed with extra life, 15 years to be exact, during a time in Israel's history where the nation was divided into two kingdoms, and, and, and it was uh, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. We find King Hezekiah ruling over the kingdom of Judah. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Once again, 2 Kings chapter 20 starting in verse 1, and God's word says, In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. And then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly, But before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, and I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake." And for my servant David's sake. And then Isaiah said, take a cake of figs. And they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. Now Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? That I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day. And Isaiah said, this shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? So Hezekiah answered, it is easy for the shadow to decline 10 steps. No, but let the shadow turn backwards 10 steps. Isaiah the prophet cried to the Lord and he brought the shadow on the stairway back 10 steps by which it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Thank you, you can be seated. Now the first six verses, we see Hezekiah's death was announced. He was essentially told, get your things in order, you are going to die. But he pleads with God and he prays to God and God answers his prayers given an extra 15 years to live. We see that in the first six verses. In verses 7 through 11, Hezekiah is instructed to place figs on his skin and he recovers. But he asks for a sign that he's permanently healed and and, and that he knows when he knows when to leave. And God gives him that sign. He performs a miracle. Now many are divided whether this happened on a staircase or on a sundial uh, we, don't, we don't know for sure if God literally turned back the time of the day to move the shadow backwards or if he performed a miracle with light refraction, but regardless of what we believe, he communicated to Hezekiah that he was indeed healed. Now, uh, this was 
also probably the first instance of daylight savings time. So we have, the Lord started that. Now this was an amazing moment in his healing, in God's miracle of what he did here, even in the extra time. But this moment prompts a very obvious question for you and I. What would you do if you were given Hezekiah's gift? If you knew when your life would end and you had an extra 15 years of life, if the answer involves doing all the fun things you haven't had time to do, like riding a bull named Fu Manchu or climbing the Rocky Mountains or, or, or fishing or skydiving or really anything different than what you're currently doing, that should reveal to you that you're not currently making the most of the time that God has given you. I'd like to look at the marks of time well spent. For several reasons, we believe Hezekiah lived a life of time well spent. Many people believe that these few verses are ordered theologically and not chronologically. Now, we will see in 2 Kings 19 that the author goes to great lengths to show God eliminating Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and Assyria as a threat to Judah. He does that in chapter 19. And people question, then why would he go in chapter 20 and then promise Hezekiah that he would deliver the Assyrians? So we think maybe this isn't ordered chronologically. The only reason I include that is because if that's true, it's likely that some of the highlights of Hezekiah's life actually took place in the extra 15 years that God gave him. But regardless, I want to travel back and look at Hezekiah's life. And the first truth that we see from the life of Hezekiah, if you want to make the most of the time God has given you, very simply, walk with God. If you want to make the most of the time, walk with God. If you'll flip back just a page to 2 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 3. Speaking of Hezekiah, it said, He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. And he removed the high places, and he broke down the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah, and he also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushtan. And he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him. For he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. Hezekiah made the most of the time he was given. And the short references, just a few chapters in a few books, we see that he seized the opportunity. And we see that he trusted God. And we especially understand that as we look at Hezekiah's prayer life. He trusted God, he walked with God, and we see that in how often he prayed. We've already read this, but if you look at 2 Kings 20, uh, verse 1, in those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. And then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. We see Hezekiah in this passage crying out to God in prayer. If we were to read in Isaiah 38, we see that he sees the end of his life but chooses instead to believe that God is in control and that if God so chooses that he can heal him, that he could restore him, and that's exactly what God does. He answers his prayer. We read, uh, if you'll look in 2 Kings 19, in, uh, starting in verse 14. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it, and he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, 
You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the, of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and listen to the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord, our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. This is following where we understand that Assyria has just invaded Judah. Understand this is a country with a reputation for bulldozing anyone in its path. And actually, they had just captured Israel. And so Sennacherib sends his spokesperson to basically cry out against the the kingdom of Judah to to call them not to trust in Hezekiah as their leader and not to trust in the God of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah's response, to turn to God in prayer, to call out to God. He goes into the temple, he lays out the threats before God, and of course, as we've just seen, God answers his prayer and he delivers the kingdom of Judah. Both Hezekiah and the people witnessed the power of prayer to the one true God. His healing became known all throughout the world. Even a future enemy in the Babylonians came just to see what had happened, to see that he had been healed. We cannot claim to walk with God without talking to God. Now, our beliefs are demonstrated through our actions. You trust God and you believe in prayer, but is your prayer life consistent? Or do you only pray when things get really bad? Is your prayer life persistent? Or do you stop praying when you don't immediately hear from God? Perhaps the most important, is your prayer life colored by the will of God? Or is it dominated by your own needs and self-interests? Maybe today some of you need to organize your prayer life to make the most of the opportunities you have to pray to God. Maybe you need to keep a journal and keep track of how God is speaking to you and answering your prayers. Maybe you need to pray methodically for different things each day. But I think all of us need to remember that prayer is a discipline. And having a good prayer life is not gonna happen on accident. You're not gonna wake up one morning to find that that you have a healthy, thriving prayer life. It's gonna take some things happening in your life and making that a priority. If we want to make the most of the time we've been given, our lives have to be marked by faith in prayer and faithfulness in prayer. We also understand that Hezekiah was a man of God's word. Now, the law tells us that every king was to have their own copy of the law, but they didn't have Bibles. The Bible was still being written. They couldn't pull out their iPad and immediately hear from God. The author author of Hebrews tells us that before God revealed himself through his son, he communicated in a variety of ways, one of which was through the prophets. If we had time, if we read another portion of 2 Kings 19, it shows us that as as soon as Hezekiah heard of Assyria's invasion, he called for his messengers to go find Isaiah the prophet. Because he respected the man and he respected the role, but he ultimately knew that's how he would hear from God. He wanted to know God's opinion of what had just happened. And Isaiah, God spoke through Isaiah and he assures him that not, not a single arrow would be shot and that Sennacherib would return to his own land and he would be killed and that's exactly what happened. 
Of course, we've already read it, but 2 Kings 20 shows us that Hezekiah listened to the word of God through Isaiah concerning his uh, instructions for his healing and the miracle and the sign to confirm it. Hezekiah was led by the words of God and it affected his reign. It affected the people under him. It had an impact on his life and everybody around him. We cannot claim to walk with God without listening to God. Is your time in the word of God consistent or only when things are bad? Is your time in the word of God meaningful or do you read a a, a verse or two to check a spiritual box? Maybe you also need to become organized in your time in the word of God. Maybe you need to write out your thoughts and your questions. Maybe you need to be memorizing scripture Grab a study tool. God has gifted men and women the ability to help us understand the word of God. But the same with prayer. This is a discipline. We won't just wake up one morning to find that someone else turned the coffee pot on and someone else prepared beforehand to decide what book of the Bible we were going to read through. This won't happen on accident. If we want to make the most of the time we've been given, our lives must be marked by a love for and dependence on the word of God. And listen, Walking with God will not be marked by perfection. It'll be marked by striving for perfection. Hezekiah was far from perfect, right? There was a time when when, uh, Assyria first invaded, his his trust in God actually wavered and he starts to offer up resources to an enemy nation. We see at the end of chapter 20 that the Babylonians come in to see his healing and he essentially just brags to them about what all God is doing. He was far from perfect and yet we still read there was no one like him. We're all imperfect and we always will be this side of heaven, but that won't keep you from walking with God. God can still use you. I spent seven years as a student at Truett McConnell University, then college. Um, and, And look, I didn't cram seven years into four Uh, As we often say, I got two degrees while I was there. I got my undergrad and my master's. Um, But uh, three of those years, I was single. And I don't know how often you, how much time you spend in Cleveland, Georgia, but there's nothing to do in Cleveland, Georgia, especially if you don't even have a girlfriend to hang out with. There's nothing to do. Um, Like when I got there as a freshman, they were excited about the Walmart that was being built. And I thought, where am I? Um, You got to make your own fun, right? Mini golf in the fake Bavarian town up the street gets old after a while. So you make your own fun. I've got vivid memories in the muggy days of August, right before the semester got crazy, of getting in my 95 Toyota Tacoma burgundy body with that odd stripe down the side or lightning bolt, I'm not sure which one it was, Um, getting in there and then driving north to Rabin County. Now, we spent a lot of time at Lake Rabin, which in my opinion is the most beautiful lake in the state of Georgia. The, the mountains meet the lake in just this perfect way. But about five minutes past Lake Rabin is this spot called Wildcat Creek. Now, it didn't matter if it was 150 degrees outside and 500% humidity. When you jump into Wildcat Creek, you kind of take your breath away because it's so cold and it's refreshing and it's a rush. But we enjoyed a unique feature of Wildcat Creek, right? Two elements for a long period of time had been so connected in a consistent and impactful way in relationship that one of them eventually yielded, the river and a large rock. 
And over time, the river didn't yield, the rock yielded. And what probably started as a rock, a jagged rock with bumps, over time became smooth. And that was the best part of Wildcat Creek because you could hit some mock speeds coming off the end of that before you go into this icy cold water. And it was so much fun. In your walk with God, if you will be so connected to him in a consistent but impactful manner and yield to him, he will begin to change you. He'll begin to smooth you out. He'll begin to change the way you think and the way you live. And as you walk with him, you will make the most of the time that he has given you. Second truth we see, if you want to make the most of the time God has given you, denounce all other gods. 2 Kings uh, 18 and verse 4. One verse, it says, He removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah, and he also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushtan. Kings forms an exhausting cadence. King after king after king after king after king did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. And every now and then you come across one that did. Actually, seven kings out of the 42, and there's actually one queen for a moment, it was said did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And even several of those seven started well, but it didn't end well. And almost every time that was said because of what they did about the idolatry of the day. And that's what set Hezekiah's reign apart. He determined that under his leadership, and by his example, that the people of Judah would worship the one true God. Now, Hezekiah reigned for 29 years, but the 16 years before him and the 55 years after him were marked by idolatry and a king that didn't care to do anything about it, right? This is what set Hezekiah apart. He was committed to remove every opportunity to engage in idol worship. Understand, the first two commandments of the 10 given address Idol worship. God understands the lures and the distractions of the lost world. He understands that the primary issue for us and for the nation of Israel would be the competition for their worship. That they would constantly be drawn to devote themselves to something meaningless. A lot of you hear idol worship and you check a box and say, well, great, denounce all other gods, done. I don't believe in another God. But a basic understanding of worship looks at what we do and how we spend our time and even our attitudes and our desires. One person said of worship that it is the continuous outpouring of all that we are and do to someone and something. A couple years back, there was a survey done specifically among people in the UK and they determined that the average person there wastes 26 days a year due to wasted time. And they determined a list of the things they waste their time on. And it, it was anything from being on hold to sitting in traffic to commuting to scrolling social media. My personal favorite, tea time. Not your tea time where it's time for you to go play golf, but your time to drink tea. And if that doesn't describe that region, I don't know what does. But before we laugh too much at our friends across the water... A Pew Research study was done in 2021 about Americans and determined that we as Americans check our personal emails, not our work emails, but our personal emails 149 minutes a day. The average American will spend two and a half straight hours 
checking emails. They determined that we will look at our phones 352 times a day. Now, I did the math for you. Let's say you sleep eight hours and you probably don't. Uh, That means you're awake for 16, which means that you'll look at your phone 22 times in a single hour. 22 times. They also determined that you'll spend over 45 minutes a day on TikTok or YouTube. Also did the math for you. That's the equivalent of you spending 11 straight days just on these sites all day, every day. It's not that we don't have time, it's that we waste the time that we're given. Who or what do you worship today? Who or what receives the most of your time? Who or what receives the most of your attention? What are your deepest desires? We have idols of our own creation. Many of us worship at the altar of materialism, pursuing a life of freedom to collect things and toys, to bring us empty happiness, following this grand scheme that we probably started hearing about in middle school, which will afford us the opportunity to retire in our 60s and vacation and play golf more. Many of us worship at the altar of our own ego, in which we've placed ourselves and our own interests at the center of our universe. Many of us worship at the altar of self-indulgence and whatever we feel and want drives our pursuits and our worship. John Ruskin said this of idolatry, God will put up with a great many things in the human heart, but there is one thing that he will not put up with in it, second place. He who offers God second place offers him no place. If it has truly taken the place of God in your life, it is an idol, it's a distraction, and it's a waste of your time. A.W. Tozer reminds us that the time that we kill will not be resurrected. It's gone. It's lost forever. It's missed. Maybe today we need to recognize the emptiness of the things we're devoted to and the things that we're pursuing. Maybe we need to understand that this will be the dividing line between us and the lost world. This was the dividing line between Hezekiah and all the kings that came before him and all the kings that came after him of the kingdom of Judah versus the other, the other kings. If believers today denounce the man-made gods of our world and our culture, we wouldn't have enough churches to hold all the people seeking God because we would be communicating that there's a difference in our hearts from theirs. And yet, the lost world sees us pursuing the same tiring, meaningless things they are. You need to draw a line in the sand and commit to destroy anything that will compete for God in his rightful place of supremacy in your life. If you want to make the most of the time you've been given, you have to eliminate the idols in your life. Now, I believe that Hezekiah made the most of his time. So the sad tale of time I'm telling is the one that's written each moment we recognize the blessing of another day and don't do anything with it. It's obedience to God in the moment given which marks the difference in a life which tells a sad tale of time and one of time well spent. We need to understand that because our time is limited, the Bible has called us to a life of urgency, not to waste time groaning and complaining about the season of life we're in and the season of life we want to be in, about who's in office, about how life didn't used to be this way. Hey, listen, 
If you refer to the good old days, you are in for a treat when you get to heaven because the good old days haven't happened yet. About lost people acting like lost people, what a waste of time to be frustrated by that as if they're capable of doing anything else. If you don't like the world, engage it with the gospel. If you want to make the most of your time, pray all the time. If you want to make the most of the time, say no to everything and everyone that stands in the way of being in God's word. If you want to make the most of the time, battle your sin. Put up a fight. If you want to make the most of the time, you need to sit down this week and inventory your time and start leveraging your schedule for the will of God. If you want to make the most of your time, you need to evaluate what's most important to you, your deepest desires, what you think about, what you spend money on, what you spend time on, because that is what you're worshiping. If you want to make the most of the time, you'd better stop believing that you're powerful enough to escape the wrath of Almighty God without faith in Jesus Christ and here this morning, repent and believe in the gospel. We've got to stop wasting time and start living according to the will of God because time is running out. Just stand with me this morning. James does a great job summarizing what we've been discussing. And he talks about our life as a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it vanishes. I have to pay close attention to this illustration because it's got a lot of mileage and it's going to have to be retired after today. But he talks about a vapor, which can be a mist or a puff of smoke. And I can't create a mist, so. That smoke is what James says your life is. It appears for a moment and I would imagine now you can't see it. And if you blinked in that moment, you missed it. You missed the opportunity. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you one more time. And then it's gone. We had better start making the most of the time because time is running out. And with it goes our opportunity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for your word, that we're not alone, that we're not in the dark, that we're not having to sit here to be confused about what you would have us to do. Lord, but your word is clear to us, and we don't know when you're coming back, but we believe that you are coming back, and it could be at any moment. And so that time in between is opportunity. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't waste opportunities. I pray that we would make the most of the time. Lord Jesus, continue to speak to hearts and lives in the room. We just pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. With every head bowed. Thank you, Pastor Justin, for that great message and the, the story of Hezekiah's life and the fact that Hezekiah, his time was limited. Um, and he lived his life. He understood the importance of living his life and making every single moment count. The same is true for us. As we live our lives, we need to make the most of every single moment. And that means living in community with Jesus, spending time with Him, making sure our relationship is right with Him. And, and then also, um, it means for us that we need to get rid of everything in our lives that don't matter. The idols, 
and Hezekiah spent time making sure that the idols were gone for the nation of Israel. Those are the things that we need to do to make our lives count. When we do those things, lost people are gonna be more important. Sharing the gospel with people who are far from God becomes important to us. Um, helping people grow in their faith with Jesus becomes more important to us. And, um, and perhaps you're watching this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. It is the beginning of you making your life count. You've got to be willing to admit to God that you're a sinner. You've got to understand that you've offended God with your disobedience uh, to Him. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross. The blood that He shed on the cross pays for all of our sins. The ones we did in the past, the ones we'll do today, and the ones that we'll do in the future. His blood covers all of those. We've got to believe that. And then we have to confess him as our personal Lord and Savior. And maybe today you've heard and understood the gospel for the very first time, and you're ready to give your heart and life to Christ. Simply in the quietness of this moment, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe in the gospel message that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, paying the penalty for my sin. And Lord, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to say welcome to the family. We want to celebrate with you, and we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. We've just dropped a link in the chat box. It says, I commit my life to Christ. Click on that link. Give us a little bit of information and we'll connect with you this week. Hey, it's been awesome to worship together this morning. I look forward to our times each week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <music>